Welcome back to another edition of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and I have with me Matthew Scarfo. He is an endurance athlete, corrective exercise specialist, human movement specialist. He's got 20 plus years in the fitness and health industry and uh, with an array of certifications and titles behind his name. And so I am really looking forward to this conversation because as you know, this is kind of my bailiwick. This is what I've been doing for 26 years is performance training, helping athletes go from injuries to gold medals. And so that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just so excited to have this conversation today with Matt. Um, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this industry and why it's so important to you? Sure. So um, my name is Matthew Scarfo. Um, I'm a certified personal trainer, among a number of other things. I got into the fitness industry about 21 years ago, almost as a lost soul. Um, I was a I didn't do very well in school. I dropped out of high school. The only thing I really ever always fell back on was fitness and exercise. And when I was younger, it was more about aesthetics and strength as opposed to performance and functionality, though. One day I was working out in my parents' basement and my mother came downstairs and said, listen, you don't do anything. You dropped out of high school. Um, you're, you're really not racking up any points here. So why don't you pursue a career in fitness and personal training since this is what you love to do um, and you do it anyway? Uh, why don't you invest some time and some effort into figuring that out? So I took her advice. I became a personal trainer uh, shortly thereafter. I uh, got my first job as a personal trainer at a local mom and pop, a big gym. Nice. Miles of lunges. Just imagine mm -hmm. that if you're in the audience, do, do 10 lunges and see how far you are. And then imagine that you've done that for one full mile. That's, you know, to, to so many people, that is untenable, unattainable, uh, mm. unconscionable, right? <laughs> and so yeah. it's a lot of uns. So where's the mental acuity that comes with pushing your body that far? You know, like how does, how does, how does that work on a brain? So I'm a firm believer and a practitioner of if you can run five miles, you can run 50. If you can do 50 lunges, you can do a thousand lunges. So long as that you're not in a, a physically deleterious condition where you're not quote unquote pushing through an injury, as long as you've got healthy joints, healthy muscles, healthy bones, and your energy systems are sufficient to perpetuate that kind of activity. And after you've already run five miles, the energy systems aren't going to shift. You're already aerobic at that point. You could got enough energy stored in your body to do that for quite a long time. So tire flips, it's very much the same. Lunges, it's very much the same. If you could do a handful, you can do them all. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm fulfilling the past that is necessary in order for me to have accomplished what it is that I'm, that I'm looking for. Now, I, I'd mentioned before, we had gone on air that I'd, I'd listened to a few conversations that you had. And one of which you had mentioned a book, I believe it was called the science of getting rich. Right. Right. Is that, does that ring a bell? Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's an, that's an old book too. That's written by like, um, 
1902, I think it was originally or 19, close to like, it was the early 1900s that that book was, was created. And um, it's the basis for the movie, The Secret, for the entire law of attraction, you know, world that has, Mm -hmm. that has been proliferated in the last probably uh, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Sure. And there's so much truth to that book. I had, it's a short book. Um, the audio book's only about an hour, actually. And I remember listening to it on a particular run that I was on. And there's so much truth to everything that is stated in that book. And what I do is I, I, I pick a reality. What's the reality that I want? The reality that I want is, um, I'll give you another example. Back at the end of May, I decided to run from my house in North Jersey down to Washington, D.C. It's about 411 kilometers away. And the only way that I was able to do that, and it it took a lot of meditation, it took a lot of praying. Um, I I do most of the time use those two terms interchangeably with all due respect to whoever we gain our conscience from. But I wouldn't have been able to achieve that or any other goal for that matter if I didn't already see myself having accomplished it. And then making that future a certain future by by backfilling in the events that have to occur between now and then. So if I were to quit doing anything that I had set my mind to it, I'm, I'm essentially changing a future that I've already believed in. That's pretty fascinating. The, 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 that's how organizational planners create business plans. That's how uh, operational, you know, organizational and operational planning happens that's reverse engineering of anything really is is what you're talking about but you're taking the next step of future planning and then backtracking it and then you're, you're, you're taking that next step which most people don't do which is they see the future they want they believe in the future that they want they plan for the future that they want, and then they see that plan and they go, oh my God, I don't really want that, <laughs> right? So mm, what, true. Yeah. what has made the difference between making the plan and then doing the actions that are in the plan and doing them consistently enough that you get the result that you're after? I think that it is largely a challenge for everybody. It's not the first mile that's the hardest. It's it's getting your shoes on and getting outside. That's that's often the hardest part. We know, and I and I've got three kids, three young kids, and and when they get in one of their moods or they get frustrated with something that they're doing, I tell them just find yourself doing what it is that you want to be doing. Turn the brain off and just find find yourself outside walking on the street. That'll turn into the run. But you, you can make that five minutes it takes from getting your shoes on to walking to the end of the driveway feel like a very painful eternity if you're dreading it. But rather than dread it, make the commitment that that's what you're going to do and then turn your brain off. You put your shoes on, you find yourself outside and, and now look at this, I'm running. So it's, it's not the first step. It's the hardest. It's, it's getting, it's walking yourself up to the staircase. That's the most difficult part because action creates action. 
And if you take that first step, you're going to take the second step. I, I like how detailed that is. And I like how, uh, you know, the step by step by step, uh, as you know, my background is working with Olympic athletes and, and pro athletes. And I normally got them post-injury and mm-hmm. post-injury, anybody who, who has an injury is trepidatious to do the thing that caused the injury. One of my things was I did a double flip over a car at 45 miles an hour off my motorcycle. Literally, it was a tuck pike, gymnastics, martial arts kicked in in the middle of what happened. I got hit at 45 miles an hour, T-boned. And I literally, wow, tuck pike, double flip over the car, landed on my feet. Unfortunately for me, was wearing uh, sandals and shorts, <laughs> which I don't recommend when you're riding a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, didn't have a, I, I didn't have a broken bone in my body. I didn't have, uh, you know, a damage, sprain, anything. I did have is road rash, uh, massive road rash. Mm-hmm. Other than that, nothing. And one of the first things that I did when I could was I got on my friend's bike and I started to ride it. With Olympic athletes, they mm-hmm. are ready to get back on the horse, but they're trepidatious. And their trainers, their coaches, their, their people who are not skilled in multiple modalities, typically they're, they're, they're pretty narrow focused. And they'll tell them, you, you know, he'll never be as good as he was. So for example, like Kobe Bryant got injured and Gary Vitti, you know, was saying he'll be about 70%. We're used to that. It's okay. You know, we're used to this in the, in the industry. And I went and I, I, I talked to Mitch Kupchak and I was like, no, he could be about 110% of what he was if he's trained properly. And all you need, mm-hmm. you know, like how much money is going to cost you for him to be out and how much money is <laughs> like, that was the conversation I had with him. Well, sure. And, uh, and is, is is when somebody is injured or weak or they feel weak in some way and they feel like that's going to be something that is going to stop them and you know this is goes for me too I got in a car accident had back to neck surgery and things like that and I become a little trepidatious when I don't have proper trainers to work with me even though I know what to do you always need a coach, in my opinion, somebody to see the things and, you know, that, that you can't see. And so I become mm-hmm. trepidatious. I don't want to work out. I don't want to do push-ups. I don't want to do exercises, right? Because <laughs> I'm going to hurt myself again. So if somebody is listening to this and they're hearing you say, just walk out the door, just put on your shoes. That is a really good first step, even if you don't actually go outside. If you get the shoes on one day and then the next day you open the door and close the door. And then the next day you open the door and you go outside. And then the next day you go and do the walk, you know, to the driveway. And then the next day you'd walk down the block. And then the next day you walk a mile, you know, like taking those baby steps is really important. Now, I learned some of this through National Academy of Sports Medicine, and you've been an NASM grad. Progressions equal results, right? If you try to do it all at once, you create more injury. 
So talk, talk to us a little bit about that and how do you motivate, how do you get somebody to have a belief that they can do something when they're injured and they don't feel like, like they can, there's no hope left. I'm so glad that you asked me this question. So I, myself, I've got, I've got a history of injuries as well. Nothing as dramatic, thank goodness, as, as motorcycle or car accidents. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're well, but I had a slip and fall about 15 years ago on ice that ended up giving me compression fractures in T6 through T10, which turned into degenerative arthritis, which has uh, depleted the bone mass of each of those vertebrae by 20 to 30%. So I've got stenosis, I've got arthritis. Um, I did not opt to go for that fusion simply because that procedure, they go in from the front. And I'm, I was already a father at that point uh, when, when we were across the bridge of talking about the surgery. And I wasn't going to let them deflate my lung and move my heart out of the way to get into this thing. I said, when I'm no longer able to carry my kids, we'll talk about it. But until then, I'll suffer. Um, my lower back, L4, L5, uh, the, the disc is gone. It looks black on, a, on the MRI. L5, S1 also gone. I've got characteristic uh, sciatica running down both my legs. It's always there. And, it, and, it, and, I'm, and I'm always managing pain as well. But one thing that I've coached my clients with, and I've practiced this, is, and, and I tell them this all the time, it's, it's not a problem unless it's a problem. So if you anticipate it being a problem, I, I guess to go back to what we had spoken about before, you're future casting that this thing is going to interrupt you in some way. But rather, when we've got an injury and everybody's got something, whether it's a shoulder, a wrist, an elbow, a knee, a hip, whatever. We got to end this. Unfortunately, I could, I could probably talk to you for another 10 hours, but um, I have another, another interview coming up in a few minutes. So uh, why don't of the audience three, I know you've already done it a, a number of times during the conversation, but three, just to sum up, actionable, doable things that they can do to create a new tomorrow today for themselves. Sure. So three things. One, um, create the habit of breathing through your nose and not through your mouth. Use your mouth for eating, not for breathing. Um, for, for all of the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Second one is move deliberately. So whatever space you're occupying or whatever space you are moving to occupy, whether it's during exercise or, or standing up from a restful situation in a couch and walking to your fridge, feel your body move through space. Part of the reason why we feel like time moves so quickly anymore is because we're the, the things that we look forward to are happening in the future as opposed to happening right now. We need to be present. So when you're exercising and you're doing a bench press, it's important not to just bang that weight up off your chest, but as you lower it, feel the tensions as they accumulate in the different parts of your body that are responsible for governing that movement. Feel your triceps lengthen under tension as you lower that weight. Feel them shorten under tension as you press that weight up off of your chest. Everything. Be in your body, be in the moment, and be present. And then the third thing, I, you know, I'm going to go off of what your last comment was, and that would be to interview your doctor. Uh, I certainly didn't mean to, and if that was the impression that I gave, lump all doctors into this big grand category. Not but I, I want to expand on it just a little bit that in the sense that I'm a runner and I'm an exerciser. I make sure that my doctor is also a runner and an exerciser and shares the most important 
parts of me with them because they can sympathize, they can empathize. As a runner, my doc, if I have a foot injury, my doctor is going to tell me as a runner how I should manage that, not just as a patient. And they don't know what running even feels like. They don't know what it means to me. They don't know those things. Now, that's not going to change their it's not going to change their advice necessarily, but it'll, it'll help them. It'll help me feel like they're talking to me and not at me. So I think when picking your healthcare team or your personal health team, it's important for you to find people that share interests with you, but just have a greater level of experience or education in their respective field, whether it's human movement science or, or nutrition science or you know, doctors or so on. So uh, breathe through your nose, be present in your body, be present in the moment whenever you move and everything that you do. And then also make sure that your healthcare team is a team of people that you trust that you can rely on and that share the same recreational interests as you. This way, the advice that they give you is contextual and not just general and vague. Awesome. And how can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Sure. So I just started a, a blog online, mattscarfo.com. Uh, it's where I seems to be a, a catch-all for all of the content that uh, that I produce and that I'm a part of. You can easily reach me there. LinkedIn, you can find me, Matt Scarfo. Um, Matt Scarfo, just about everywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, mattscarfo.com. So um, even if you're not interested in, in having me help you or work with you in any way, I'm, I'm always interested in having great conversations with interesting people. And um, I try to learn as much as I can from everybody that I meet. So even though it might not be a, a monetary arbitrage it can certainly be a an intellectual one absolutely i've enjoyed our uh, intellectual arbitrage today and <laughs> to doing it again and and uh you know working with you maybe in the future so creating some win-wins collaborations because i i think if we do that we can really you know as we come together we create momentum and movement and we can move mountains when we, uh, when we work together. So anyway, thank you so much. Uh, Absolutely. To Ari Gronich. And this has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow, where we are helping people create their new tomorrow today. Thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to seeing you and hearing you at the next one. Remember to like, comment, and review.